developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. We're just talking, have you quit drinking during the pandemic? <laughs> eh. Works wonders. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. When was the last time you had a drink? Oof. Last time I had a drink, um, it would have been when I was back home for that wedding. So when was that? That was, uh, July 4th. July 4th. July 4th. Yep. And you're in fight camp now, so you won't do it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I can't do it. And uh, Coos, when was the last time you did not have a drink? Uh, actually, this week, I haven't drank since vacation. Wow. Uh, that's a lie. No, I drank over the weekend. There it is. There, there it is. is. Yep. The truth comes At least you're honest. This isn't really so much of a question as it is a kind of intervention for you today. Yeah. Happy, yeah. happy Friday. <laughs> happy but Friday going into the weekend, man. I was telling Brent, I'm not the kind of guy that just has like a, a drink with dinner. I'm kind of like, I save it, and then Friday I have five drinks, and it's like, oh, instead of having one every night. Oh, I'm the same way. Like, I'm the last person to go home and just, like, you know, pour a little whiskey on the rocks and just watch a nice movie. No, man. Like, if I'm going to drink, it's going to be with people. Yeah, and it's going to be with, I'm going to be drinking and be merry. I'm not going to just casually sip on something. It's not how it works. Yeah, well, I, I, I want to, like, a beer a night, no doubt. Okay. In the pandemic. I mean, I probably had a handful of not. It's a, a lot of times it's just for me, like I try not to have a Diet Coke. That's what brought it up. Mm-hmm. But I haven't been drinking a lot of Diet Coke. But I do drink a lot of coffee. Mm-hmm. And then I try to shut the coffee off sometime at night, but I still need something else. I've drank a lot of water throughout the day. I need something else. I get bored. Well, do you put, it's more out of boredom. What do you put in your coffee? Do you just put cream or? Just cream. Okay, so you're where I was. See, when I well, like I've, when we actually first started the show, I was putting a lot of sugar yeah. in the coffee. I was Even too. taking that out was huge. Yeah, I was. Uh, I changed that over whatever in the last uh, eight or nine months. But uh, I wasn't putting a lot of sugar in. But if you have six cups a day, it adds up for sure, without <laughs> a doubt. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, the reason I got onto it, I was like, man, I feel like I'd be in pretty good shape right now if I wasn't have, if I could just take all the beer back. From, yeah, from the pandemic. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of that trade-off, though, Brent. You know, the beer kind of helps you unwind a little bit, yeah, takes the is. edge off. So, you know, it's it's kind of a give and take relationship. You know, who, the, who are you trying to impress? Come on now. No, nah, I really, I was, that's a good thought. I mean, yeah. what's it matter? Yeah, I mean, my hair's a mess. Mm-hmm. Got a little Whoa. belly. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, nothing man. Wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, listen, the light stuff's fine, but it goes down like water mm-hmm. to me, and that's yeah. why I have some of it. But it's like water. I like trying the craft beer stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. trying different. But man, it's loaded with calories. Dude, those those IPAs—they're not messing around, no. man. Pork chop in a can. My buddy Logan Bowles, who, who, who's a photographer for the NFL, and yeah. a lot of time in Jacksonville. I know who you're talking about. I see him like every day on social media talking about like the latest IPA or whatever. I'm like, sure. dude, how do you do it? Sure. Like that's all. Like, how do you do that much of them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a connoisseur. I uh, I'm kind of a novice at that, but I like I do like trying different ones, um, and it's it's a lot of fun to be able to. But 
It's going to add some LBs. Got to add some LBs real quick. Do a little extra workout. Nothing wrong with that, man. And treat yourself. But hey, you know what? You got to treat yourself every once in a while, right? You got to do it. Yeah. You got to do it. Like, and shout out to people out there that are like super strict with their diets. You know what I'm talking? Like grilled chicken every single day and broccoli, man. Yeah. I, I don't know how they do it. And I'm talking about people that aren't, aren't even like in fitness, like, you know, like the fitness models. Things yeah. like that. I'm talking about just everyday people that want to get a little more cut, a little more ripped. Chicken and broccoli every single day, man. It is really what it's you put. Insane. The, the exercise it? doesn't matter. Right? We've done this before, but the yeah. ex—I mean, not like it doesn't matter. No, the exercise helps, but it's like twenty percent. Yeah. Well, that's why I mean, even just like I said at the beginning of the doing this, when I started going to one of the local gyms, the first thing they showed me, and and even after the first few months, was learning that. I mean, it's it's thirty percent what you do in the gym, and mm-hmm. and seventy percent the yeah. rest is. I mean, because I'm benching four fifty, and it's still on max. <laughs> Flex, a little, little bit of flex. I don't, I don't think you are, but but it, but we had us going for a second. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, DJ Chirk, talk this afternoon. You know, we talk about Josh Allen as a yeah. guy that's uh, mature and and kind of a, seems like he's going to be around for a long time. Now, be careful how you say that around here. Yep. Uh, but two years maybe. Yeah. yeah, two years a long time. Yeah. But DJ Chark's another one of those guys. And I think it's an important year for DJ to establish himself as one of those guys. Saying all the right things. Good dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had him on the show uh, a couple times. And he's he's just a, he's a good young man. I mean, it's kind of cool to be around. And it, it was interesting to hear what he had to say today. Uh, not only about you know Jacksonville in itself and being here. And it seems like he embraces the idea of wanting to give Jags fans something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can run from that or you can embrace it. And I think uh, he's one of those guys that embraces it. I feel like Josh Allen's one of those guys. And maybe there's a lot of guys, but at least they get it. You know, they they know. It's been a long dozen years or so around here. But also what he said about uh, Jay Gruden's offense, which I think is pretty interesting. And, and I want your interpretation on that when we get to it. So we'll talk a little bit about DJ Chark. PJ Championship round two. Tiger tees off later on. Uh, it, uh, this is a beautiful night if you like golf because Tiger will tee off around 530. And you can watch it all night long. Have a beverage or two. Uh, so it'll be later on in our show. There's some good scores out there right now. Usually the morning rounds are better than the afternoon rounds. Yeah. That was the case yesterday. We'll see what's happening. How about your man, Tommy Fleetwood? How's he doing? Fantastic day today. Like it. He what? was four under at the last check. Uh, he had got man. it to five. He was in second place. Okay, Tommy, I see you. I see you're, you're heavily Sampson. invested. Very well. <laughs> how's, uh, how's his mother dude doing? Mark Hubbard. Fleetwood's five now, yeah. Okay. So he's second place. I'm not mad at that. Uh, what is Mark Hubbard talking about? Hubbard was at one under. Now let me go okay, find Mark. him. Mark Hubbard. Let's go, Mark. In a van down by the river, Mark Hubbard. Yeah. Uh, Letting that beard flow even, a little bit. Even. That's okay. Okay, okay. That's we're okay, okay with major. that. We're okay with that. What's a little bizarre here is the weather has been benign. Uh, they, it's unpredictable out in the West Coast, especially yeah. in the San Francisco area. And the weather has not it, – it's been really good. Mm. I mean, so the scores, I think, are unbelievable uh, to be – like half the field is – well, not half the field. I would say – or at least 40% of the fields, even par or better. That's a, that's like a pretty it. low number for a major championship, uh, in my opinion, especially out there at TPC Harding Park, where the rough is almost like U.S. Open, mm-hmm. uh, kind of rough. And, and some of the leaders, they're still missing the fairways, kind of like Tiger did, and still scoring okay, which yeah. is not really the way that's supposed to be out there. It's like, it's penalizing. You gotta chip out. Mm-hmm. And then you're probably facing long par putts when you do that. So it hasn't been the case just yet. Uh, at the PGA Championship, so some good theater there and a good leaderboard uh, as well. Now talk a little water cross. You ever heard of it? Water cross. Can't say that I have. No. You remember the game Jet Moto? 
like the video. Do you remember that video game? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's where I kind of envision this. How do you know about Jet Moto? Oh, I used to play Jet Moto. Okay. Brent Moto with the N64 reference. It's N64, right? Uh, it wasn't N64. It what was Jet Moto? Either, yeah, I don't know It was Jet either Moto. an early uh, phase of PlayStation or it was like Nintendo. Okay, I got you. I think it had uh, yeah, right here, Jet Moto. Yep, it was an N60. Yeah, right there. Jet Moto, Jet Moto was awesome. Gotcha. Now, okay. Yeah, they probably had Jet Moto on yeah, N64 yeah, yeah, yeah. too, but I didn't have an N64. I got you. I got you. What I'm saying. Yeah. So, um, that was a fun game. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, it was. Was it just jet ski? Is it felt like you were on? Remember, like it went from like motorcycles to jet skis or something. Is that well, how it worked? It, so it's, it's basically it's on jet skis, but you can go on land as well. That's so they're right. kind of like hovercrafts. Right. I just remember there was like a, a, a giant Mountain Dew must have put out like the they major did. big That's a bucks good point. because Mountain Dew was everywhere You're in that right. video game. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I remember the water part of that sure, game. Sure. And so this kind of reminds me. It's an event going on this weekend in okay. St. Augustine. We're gonna have a guest, and he's a local guy who's, who's obviously doing this for a living. Yeah. And quite frankly, I didn't even know it was something you could do for a living. Yeah. You know, so uh, it, it should be pretty fun. We'll uh, talk a little bit about that. I tweeted today because Barry Bonds celebrating his 13th anniversary of breaking Hank Aaron's home run record. It was number 756. And I got a lot of interesting responses on Barry Bonds. Let's talk a little Barry Bonds. Do you see him as the home run king? You know, where do you sit on Bonds? Interesting responses. Like, it, it's not across the board Everybody feels the same way. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's probably one of the most underappreciated or almost forgotten moments in, in terms of milestones. Like, sure. it's one of, it's, it's maybe one of the greatest milestones of all time. I mean, people put that record, the, especially if you go way back in the day, you know, when Babe Ruth had it and Hank Aaron then it had it. And then if you go single season where Roger Maris had it, you know, and obviously the quest for Sosa and McGuire at the time. Well, when Barry Bonds did it, just didn't feel as amped up, didn't feel as fun. The mm -hmm. buzz wasn't there and it came with that, mm, I don't know if I should get behind this or not. It felt a little cheap, felt a little tainted. It felt tainted at the time because we kind of knew it was even at the time. So we kind of wanted to look the other way, but even keep one eye open. It was almost like a horror movie. And he wasn't very <laughs> likable. And right. he's never been really, from a, when he was a player, he wasn't a likable figure. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was uh, an interesting part of the whole breaking the home run. And like in my mind, what I said is I don't see Barry Bonds as the home run king of all time. Hmm. I still give credit to Hank Aaron. I don't give credit to – I think we all know to some degree Barry Bonds was influenced at some point. Sure. For how long, all that stuff, all debatable. Mm -hmm. I also say that's fine. He's a surefire Hall of Famer, should be in Cooperstown and all those things. So it's not like I dismiss and cancel, which everybody else does and to everyone these days, <laughs> but it's not like I dismiss and cancel Barry Bonds. I just say when it comes to this record, I don't really see him as a home. If you tell me the home run king, I'm still saying Hank Aaron. That's my point. Sure. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, Barry Bonds has more. Yeah, whatever. Not yeah. really. Well, listen, in terms of the home run king, like, yeah, obviously Hank Aaron's up there. And obviously I didn't get to watch Hank Aaron play. Obviously he's associated with the Milwaukee Braves a little bit. So there's Milwaukee ties there. And I know how important Hank Aaron is. But it is kind of ironic, though. It's kind of funny because growing up as a kid, you know, it was during that home run chase. And you had Mark McGuire, you had Sammy Sosa, you had Barry Bonds. And I, I remember the whole Barry Bonds, you know, breaking the record and everything like that. But it's like you said, he wasn't that likable of a guy. 
So it kind of, to me, took a little shine off it. Like, for instance, like kids in the backyard, they weren't Barry Bonds when they're hitting, you know, with their friends with the home run derby. You know, feel you're, like you're Ken Griffey Jr. You know, you're, 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 the, you're the Big Mac. You're slamming Sammy. But nobody was ever really Barry Bonds. But I will say this. Call him home run king or not, to me, he exemplified and he changed the way how a home run hitter was treated. And what, the, what I mean about that is the walks. You know, like he's really the first guy that I remember growing up as a kid watching get intentionally walked after walk after walk, or if the game was on the line where they had to pitch to him, then they pitched to him, obviously, with dire consequences. So like, I remember that thinking, like, this is insane. Like, the, 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 it's literally a guy on base pretty much every single time because you're going to walk him. And I remember watching that as a kid thinking, like, this is insane. Like, how how could you do that, you know, three to four times a game? So the fact that... You know, people respected him so much for his attributes, whether they were tainted or not. The fact that he was respected so much from amongst his peers about that dangerous home run ball and the fact that he got intentionally walked every single time, to me, he is the home run king. Hmm. To, to me, because I think if you looked at how teams prepared against him, how teams had to throw around him, no one else did it better than Barry Bonds. Yeah, I have more thoughts that, that don't necessarily disagree a lot with what you said, but I still don't classify him as home run uh, king. And I, as I said, uh, to me, it's one of the least celebrated milestones in sports, and it might be the greatest record in sports. Mm-hmm. Like it might have been if it wasn't Bonds. You could make the case if it was still Hank Aaron or somebody else like Ken Griffey Jr. eclipsed it. Mm-hmm. It would be the greatest Sports oh, record. Without a doubt. If Griffey could have stayed healthy and kept that momentum going, I mean, it would have been the biggest thing in baseball. Yet, as big of a record as it is, it's maybe the least celebrated, in my opinion. It's been 13 years uh, since it happened for Barry Bonds. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, some news out of Florida State. They have a player opt out. We'll do FSU at four uh, a little bit later on in the show. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's begin with some Jags talk. We like to do that. Is it Shark Week or is next week Shark Week? Uh, it starts on the 9th. What's today? The 7th. So it's starting Sunday. Next week. So it's Shark Weekend. Well, it starts next week, though, right? It starts next Monday? Yes, but to be fair, Nat Geo has been doing Shark Month. Hey. <laughs> listen. Nat, Nat Geo. Listen. Goose. Goose. That listen. National Geographic? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's respectable, but... It's, it was it was awesome. It was a great month. Stop trying to copy... Shark. Hey, Nat Geo, do your own thing, huh? Do Snake Week or something. Stop, try, <laughs> stop no, trying to it, copy sharks. Man, Sharks are really the only animal that can get, like, a week or a month out of a... Dude, snakes? Nah. I'd watch King Cobra. There's a lot of snakes out there. There are a lot of snakes out there. I, I'd watch Snake Week. You see all those pythons taking out of the Everglades again? No, I didn't. Yeah. Crazy, huh? It's unbelievable. Dang. Snake Week, Brent. We got something there. Uh, I was just trying to segue into Shark Attack. <laughs> That's all I was really trying to but do. But here we are getting now super I'm trying to think of, off I'm trying the to rails think of, as usual. Now I'm trying to think That's of all animals. I'm trying to do. That's what they have a week out of on TV. Well, listen, you know how I feel about Shark Week. Sorry we got on this point right now. Yeah, Shark yeah. Attack next on ESPN <laughs> 690. City, this team uh, deserves, you know, something to look forward to. Uh, so that first starts with me as being a guy that's trying to be there for my teammates, trying to get the right energy going. Uh, we very young. So now, you know, I'm kind of forced out of the shadows to speak a little more. Uh, but at the end of the day, we just want to win. That's what we're here for. Uh, win, play football. That's really the mindset. That is DJ Chark. Hails from Alexandria, Louisiana. Which I always like to say because 
My first job in this business was in Alexandria, Louisiana. And if you think about it, he was probably like four. <laughs> we, what, were we covering the peewee leagues or anything? Or not? <laughs> I didn't know. Pop Warner? Not yet. Yeah. We were covering Ford's probably a little young for that a as little well. bass fishing out there. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, you could say he was a baby shark. Ah, very good. I couldn't resist, could you? Could, nope, could, I was trying not resist. to, but couldn't yeah. Stop. Couldn't resist. I like Can't it, control though. yourself. Hey, he just said it. He just said, DJ Shark said, hey, I've been kind of forced into a role of leadership, whether I like it or not. Correct. You know, it, again, he's kind of a quiet, unassuming guy. Mm-hmm. Who actually, I think, has a big personality, showcases it on the field, but kind of went in front of a microphone around, very kind of quiet and unassuming. And he's basically like, hey, I got to do this. I got, I'm like one of the, the veteran guys here. Like, I could be a building block here. And there's no doubt about it. Just put the question out there on social media. Is he on his way to being one of the best receivers in Jags history? I mean, if you think about great receivers in Jags history, of course, Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell, and and yeah, Allen Robinson. Yeah, Allen Robinson for sure. I mean, but he, did yeah. Allen Robinson do it long? I love a, a Rob. Yeah, but did he do it long enough? I mean, like I thought about putting is he the best receiver? Could he be the best receiver in Jacksonville since Jimmy Smith? Uh, and I think Jimmy's last one thousand yard receiving season was in two thousand and five, mm-hmm. and then there had been like a nine year gap between thousand yard receiving seasons, and then it was a Rob and Allen Hearns both did it, I believe. Mm-hmm. But they went that long between the 1,000-yard receiving seasons, and now here comes DJ Chark. So I was going to say, is he the best since Jimmy Smith? And I don't want to slight Hearns and, and A-Rob because they were good, but were they good for a long enough time to know yeah. here in Jacksonville? But let's be honest, though. In terms of were they good long enough, they didn't really have a chance to be that good long well, enough. And that's, right? Yeah, it's I mean, not their fault. It's not like they we brought them back or anything. Well, and so. A-Rob got hurt the final year. Correct. So, yeah, it's, I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm just yeah. saying I don't know where they rank in the – in the category of great receivers in Jags history. I think we can assume, you know, I mean, obviously, Alan Hearns, since his time in Jacksonville, and he, granted, he's dealt with injuries as well. Productivity's probably gone down a little bit with his time in Dallas and in Miami. Um, I think Alan Robinson, with a pretty mediocre, if not below mediocre offense with Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball, still seems to kind of have that it factor. So I think if Allen Robinson was here, we'd be talking about him being, you know, one of the best Jaguars re- receivers of all time. But since he's not here anymore, it's hard to throw in that category. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess simply put, um, is he going to be a great receiver for the Jacks? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, there's there's not a ton of competition there. And they have two great ones, Alan Cardell and, and Jimmy Smith, no doubt. But – is he going to be – they've tried now. They yeah. tried with Matt Jones. They tried with Reggie Williams. They tried with A-Rob and Alan Hearns and Marquise Lee. And here they have DJ Chark, second-round pick out of LSU. Does really nothing his first year on a receiver position. Uh, did very well in special teams. People don't talk about it, but did very well there. And then, bam, all of a sudden becomes a Pro Bowl guy, dependable guy. Caught everything in the early part of last year, especially the first – Six to eight games. I mean, he caught every. You could have thrown it out of the stadium, and he would have ran to the parking lot and caught it. I mean, that, sure. it was that good, uh, his first part of last year. And he became a very reliable top t- uh, target once Minshew got in there because they had worked together a lot, I think, in training camp. There was a comfort level there. Can he be one of the greats in Jags history? And will this year decide that or at least go a long way in proving that? So this year, it's not going to decide it to me, but it's going to be very telling. I'll be honest with you. 
if you break down DJ Chark, I don't like the fact that he's on his third offensive coordinator in three years. Okay, like no one's gonna like that point. Okay, I do like the fact that he seems to have built a rapport with Gardner Minshew. Okay, this is their second year together now, so I do like that. And if you want to kind of put more in the terms of, well, I do like what's going on here. Jay Gruden has come out and said that DJ Chark is going to be in the slot a little bit. He's going to be on the outside. Anytime that you move a receiver around like that, it's the offensive coordinator saying, this guy is special. Mm -hmm. This guy is going to be the cog. He's going to be our featured wide receiver that we want to build around. When the game's on the line, he's getting the ball. You know, you see it all the time with, like, Michael Thomas in New Orleans. They line up Michael Thomas everywhere. Now, despite what you think, if he's the best wide receiver, top three, top five, top ten, regardless, they get him the ball because Sean Payton and Drew Brees believe he has the best wide receiver in the league. And I think that faith, I think that confidence lies with Jay Gruden and obviously lies with Garner Minshew as well. So if they can kind of keep that rapport a little bit, have success offensive line, I think the sky's the limit for G.J. Chark. Yeah, you really bring up, uh, we kind of fell into this part of the conversation, and you bring up a good point to put an exclamation point on it. I mean, I just mentioned, I think he got a lot of targets early last year because Minshew was comfortable with him. Well, that's a nice thing to have. Mm -hmm. I mean, Minshew's the guy. He's got a comfort level with him, talks highly of him. There's a chemistry there, no doubt. Uh, So that's coming back. You know, Mm -hmm. you can have a different look on offense. You have a different offense coordinator. You can have some different parts with LaVisca Chenault and Chris Thompson and Tyler Eifert, but we know that's coming back, and that's a connection that, again, I think makes you feel pretty good about Minshew more than anything else because Chart can really help Gardner Minshew out, having a reliable target Missing some of the time in the spring, you still have a go-to guy that you're used to and you're comfortable going with. So I think it's a, a tremendous point. And then the point of where they use him and how they use him and, and where they move him around. You know, it's something I've kind of saved for the LaVisca Chenault conversation. I can't wait to see how they use them, where they use him. Well, maybe we should be talking about that a little bit more in Chark. How will they use him? What will they do to improve his skill set, make him a mismatch, put him in one-on-one spots, and... He's got the ability to go all over the field. But I think what you just said is 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 maybe the most important. It's a heck of a compliment. Mm-hmm. And guy, uh, I always say this, guys know. Like you know. They know if this guy's a special player and, and has some great potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, players know. Coaches know. Uh, and so if they see that, that's a great indicator from a complimentary standpoint of how much they believe in him. And I didn't really think of it that way. But Jay Gruden saying that, and if they illustrate that here in 2020, will be a great sign for uh, DJ Chark and his future. Yeah, listen, I I mean, and we're still a little early for our fantasy football predictions and things like that. But that little comment of, of, you know, Jay Gruden saying that he's going to put DJ Chark in the slot a little bit. He's going to put, I mean, what do the slot guys do? Obviously, they, they catch the ball in space. They get all the receptions, right? Because you, you have a slot corner on you, which means you have some space to work. So the fact that they're going to move him around, it just shows the confidence. It shows the faith. Now, you know, we, we bring in guys like LaVisca Chenault now. I mean, there there is a lot of intrigue here with this offensive unit as the wide receiver group. You got Conley on the outside. can still, you know, burn, obviously. He's got a 40, I don't know, a 50, 60-inch vertical, whatever it was at the combine. You know, didn't get used in the red zone a lot last year. Hopefully that changes this year. And it, to me, it, it is a little rare because Grun in the past hasn't really featured 
that wide receiver. Now, maybe one could say we well, didn't really have like a bona fide go-to wide receiver. Like, yeah, he had Deshaun Jackson, and he had you know he had some suitable guys, but like I hardly ever see him like feature just one wide receiver. Jay Gruden's known for spreading the ball around a little more, obviously getting his tight ends involved as well. But I think we might see a little change now from Jay Gruden if he really is infatuated and loves DJ Chark. I think you might see the lion's share, if you will, go towards G.J. Chark. Now, take in, keep in mind, if they start double-teaming him and things like that, well, then you can go someplace else. But I think D.J. Chark is going to be featured this year a lot in this offense. You know, we talk a lot about Josh Allen. Uh, could he emerge as a star? We talk a lot about Miles Jack. Is he going to live up to it? We talk a lot about Gardner Minshew, uh, what an opportunity he has. I guess, how good of a situation do the Jags find him in, find themselves in? If DJ Chark has another really good season mm-hmm. and starts to establish himself, if not, I'm not going to go crazy and say elite just yet, but on the fringe of that or just on the outside of that and maybe in that second tier, that's a big get now. Again, I just told you at the top of this segment, go ahead and start listing the best receivers in Jags history. <laughs> Let me know when you get to like number five. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It, it yeah, It's not it's... easy. So mm. it would be a heck of a a find to get DJ Chark. I, I say this, uh, you know, when Dave Caldwell got, came in here, there's there were two positions that were just, well, listen, quarterbacks continues to be a position where if your best quarterback that you ever had in franchise history played now some 20 years ago, mm. that's a problem, uh, especially in the NFL, especially in football. That's mm. a problem. Mm. But other uh, position groups where they've really struggled in this franchise's history is wide receiver and pass rusher. And if you start to think about what this front office has been able to do in terms of finding some talent in that regard, uh, I know people aren't really up for giving pats on the back to Caldwell and, and staff sure. uh, for obvious reasons. But Josh Allen, Yannick Ngakwe, even bringing in Calais Campbell on the pass rushing side and the numbers that those guys put up over the last few years. Even, again, people aren't going to fall in love with Dante Fowler Jr., but it wasn't a bust of a guy. He still was productive and had some big moments here in a Jags uniform. Well, and he's still doing pretty well for himself he's now. Got a 16, he's Atlanta. a $16 million guy. Sure. Somebody else sees something in him. Now, it's yeah. a one-year deal. It's not like it's a five-year deal. But And then on the receiver side, I mentioned him already. Hearns was a great find as an undrafted free agent, but Allen Robinson was a good uh, a good draft pick. You know, Marquise Lee did not live up to what you had hoped he would be, and and I know that. Um, and a lot of it was injury based, and I actually think a lot of it was the way they used him too. Yeah. Uh, but now you have DJ Chark who comes along. They've well, had success in the second round well, finding some talent. D.D. Westbrook, too, as well. You have to throw in there and then that mix as well. Yeah, where does he fit? Yeah. yeah. Where does he fit? I, and, but and but now, I'm just saying, like, as a draft pick, though, as well. You know, I mean, yeah. I think it's a big year for him to see, you know, if where, where they spent that draft on with DJ uh, with D.D. Westbrook, was it worth it or not? Yeah, I think well, right now people would say it's not. I guess if I'm applauding Caldwell, though, I can't applaud him yet for Westbrook is my point. Correct. He's yeah. a fourth-round guy, yeah. uh, but I just can't applaud him yet for it. Now, I, I'll say it one more time, though. Look at the second-round picks mm-hmm. under Dave Caldwell, and there was Allen Robinson, there is DJ Chark, and can they follow suit and the trend, keep the trend going with LaVisca Chenault? Mm-hmm. They've had tremendous success finding talent at the wideout position. Mm-hmm. Again, it was a decade long. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, you had some good guys that played when you were here, but they weren't ultra-talented. Uh, you know, listen, we love Cecil Shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't 
upper echelon in the league. He, had, he was a very good player. He was, he was better than anybody wanted to give him credit for, probably. Sure. And he had some nice. He had a nice NFL career. He did. Uh, love Cecil. I mean, you had Mike Sims Walker, Michael Thomas. Yeah. So uh, you had, not Michael. I think it was Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas. Yeah, yeah, but Mike you Thomas. had flashes of guys. Yeah. But you never had consistent Blackman. success. <laughs> Well, and there's the X factor, right? Yeah. I mean, Blackman could have been, in my opinion. Well, we saw it, Brent. Come on. Uh, I mean, he it's was, just... to me, a perennial Pro Bowl guy. Yeah, for uh, sure. A game changer guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now he's also, was uh, where they end up getting him in the as a fifth overall pick. Sure. You know, I mean, that was more like a, of a Julio Jones type of investment. No, for sure. And, I mean, without giving up the draft capital. Well, and listen, and we all know how the story played out with, with Justin Blackman, but I just think if you take away the off-the-field issues, which obviously it's hard to do, especially as a fan. But if you just go on talent alone of like what we saw at practice, what we saw during the games, I think that fifth pick was warranted. I think taking him that high was definitely warranted. I think he was going to, you know, if he could have kept his head on straight, could have been in, in, in this city and um, have been a story wide receiver for years and years um, to come. It's just the fact that obviously you had the off-the-field issues. And let's be fair here. I mean, those were brought up during college as well, and some teams knew that, and the Jaguars took a gamble on them. It didn't work out, so I'm not saying, you know, I mean, you, you should get away with that. You shouldn't. Obviously, it was a bad pick, but I'm just saying from a talent and a skill standpoint, that fifth pick, I think, for him was warranted. Yeah, uh, listen, from a talent, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it isn't warranted because of the way it turned out. Yeah, <laughs> but absolutely. But I, he, was a, he was a top ten kind of talent, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, I don't know if we – I think he was on his way to being – you know, in fairness, I there are some folks that don't think that he was that, and that was still overdrafted. Maybe it was just because he was one of the best things I had seen in years and years on that practice field. Mm-hmm. And then when he'd go play a game, he'd deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he could have been, I mean, he's a great one of the great wasted talent stories well, uh, of of Jaguars history, quite yeah. frankly. In I, my I, opinion. And listen, and we had Cecil Shorts back in the day on on the show, and he kind of explained it a little bit, but and. I, I share a lot of the same opinions of Cecil on the matter here. I'm not going to speak bad about anybody that can't defend themselves. You know, I haven't talked to Justin forever, so I'm not really going to speak bad about him. But I just think that there was a, a belief on the team that, listen, this guy's not really necessarily like a weight room warrior. Like, he's not putting up any kind of big numbers. You know, he just kind of goes about his business. Um, you know, in terms of the offseason, you know, kind of does his own little thing. But when he was on the field, it was like, holy cow. And I think there was a, a sense of feeling that, once he got it figured out in the NFL and once he like applied himself in the weight room and he applied himself in preparing for the NFL and, and applied himself in the off season, like this guy was going to be like an all pro. Like that's, that, that was the thought on the team, you know, and obviously it just didn't transpire. Yeah, I, listen, I get it. Uh, I think you're right. I, and he was he was a physical runner. Mm-hmm. He really was after the catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much to like about uh, Justin Blackman, which really makes it a sad story, I think, um, here in Jacksonville uh, with all the issues that he ended up having. Uh, DJ Chark's interesting. You know, I, I say this a lot. You have to get lucky sometimes. All the good organizations get lucky sometimes. <laughs> Uh, Jags probably have gotten lucky more times than we give them credit for, but it hasn't added to a ton of success. Well, you need to get lucky maybe more than once in, in a few things. There's a lot of things the Jags could get lucky on. Minshew could have a great season and they could decide, whoa, mm-hmm. he's that six-round guy that turns – this guy really is something. Uh, they could get lucky on a guy like DJ Chark where – I don't think anybody after that first year ever would be talking like this about DJ Chark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just hope he has a nice career and he's a good solid receiver and a good number two receiver. Shoot, sometimes even a solid number three. Uh, 
but I think he actually has a chance to play, at least on this team, he's going to be number one. But, I mean, yeah. he has a chance to establish himself maybe as a number one receiver going in 2020. That would be a nice break, I guess, is kind of the moral of the story if the Jags could uh, get that kind of production out of DJ Chark. He'll be asked to do a lot this year. They need a go-to guy, a guy I always say you got a game plan for. Might have to game plan a little bit for DJ Chark. You're going to have to, absolutely. And keep in mind now, teams will be game plan for Garner Minshew as well in this past game. So I'm interested to see... What DJ Chark can do from his, you know, his second year campaign now to his third year, can he elevate it even more? The fact that now teams are going to have to respect the Jaguars' passing game. We'll give you an update on the PGA Championship. Who's in the lead? And Austin's guy, Tommy Fleetwood, Go knocking Tommy. on the door of a tremendous round. That means it's out there for Tiger Woods. We got some Jacksonville residents and natives. Fortin with the top of this leaderboard too. We'll give you an update on the PGA Championship. Action all evening long, and uh, we'll get to some more Florida State talk coming up at 4 o'clock a little bit. One player opts out. Let's talk a little water cross, pro water cross. Oh, yeah, you betcha. It's a Friday. Hang around on ESPN 690. Last year's over. Once I'm done playing, you know, I can look back on whatever years I went pro bowl or had winning seasons and talk to my kids and things about that. But as far as right now, this 2020 season, uh, we, we're not going to get any wins and I'm not going to uh, make any get any accolades based off last year. So that's kind of out the window at this point. Yeah, I got to hit the reset button. That's a hard thing. There's not much carryover in the NFL. If you want to establish yourself as a really good player like DJ Chark would like to do, you just better do it year after year. Yeah. Simple as that. Consistency, Brent. Simple as that. Is it, it's Lee Hao Tong. Why did I think it was Hao Tong Lee? Um, well, I mean, depending where he's from, you know, sometimes you pronounce the last name first. Like, you know, Yao Ming was Ming Yao, but everybody called him Yao Ming. So I think this is the same. I think it's Hao Tong Lee. Could but, be. But his name still reads Lee Hao Tong, right? Okay. Yeah, I think I, it I is. I don't know. Don't, I don't know who this guy is, so careful now. Yeah, is no, this, I think it's Hao Tong Lee. He's, he's a golfer? What yeah. What do you got over there? Okay. Uh, he's from China. Yeah. He's in the lead of the PGA Championship. And I would know this. I, I have not had the sound up on any of the coverage today, but I want to make sure it's not a different <laughs> golfer yeah. uh, that that I'm used to. Um but I think it is Hao Tong Lee. I, so. I didn't mess that up, right? I don't want to be like be like disrespectful. No, I think to you're China. correct. Then, no, I think you're correct. Yao well, Ming I'm trying had, not to be either. Because yeah, Yao Ming had Yao on the back of his jersey, right, when he played, if I'm not mistaken? Kuz? Driving Dish Podcast. I think he did. I only ever heard him go or be called Yao Ming. Yeah, but I mean, I get you're not paying attention right now, and that's okay. But I'm asking, the back of his jersey, was it the back Yao or was it Ming? Yao. Uh... Yao. I think yeah. it was Yao. It was Yao. Yeah. yeah, because that's how they... Okay, got it. We're good. Listen, we tried to give you our SAT scores yesterday, <laughs> okay? I mean, I think we did that. ESPN 690, we're just back trying to make it again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, not trying to be disrespectful, just not very smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> your guy, Tommy Fleetwood, in second place. Let's talk about second place instead. It's Six it. under through like 17. I like that mix. a lot. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm more than the mix right now. Okay, he's having a fantastic round. That means six under is out there. Uh, Paul Casey five under. Not worried about him. Used to be my favorite, like a pick. If people would sleep on Paul Casey, and then he just didn't do anything for like years, and here he is uh, playing well at TPC Harding Park. Jason Day will tee off here in just a little bit. Uh, Lotto Griffin, I believe he still lives in the area, and I think he does. uh, Lives out at Atlantic Beach. He's in the top five at four under. So Lotto Griffin playing really well. 
Is he the, the guy PGA that's sponsored by Jordan? Or not? Uh, I don't think okay. so. I don't know. Okay. I, don't, I don't think so, though. Okay. Uh, Cameron Champ having a heck of a round. He hits it a mile. He's 500 today. He's 400 to the tournament. Brendan Todd has dropped to 400. There's a bunch of guys at 400, including a lot of folks yesterday that have uh, played yesterday and haven't teed off just yet. Uh, Adam Scott is three under. My guy, Tony Finau, my pick to win, mm-hmm. uh, tees off in just a couple of minutes. He's three under par. And uh, want to want me to catch you up on Mark Hubbard? Tiger, by the way, will tee off at uh, 4:58. I thought it was 4:530 something, but it's 4:58. And Billy Horschel's even par today, uh, or for the tournament, and he's one over today. And a bunch of guys See, are even par. The projected cut right now is one over par. Oh no! Uh, which Phil Mickelson is at uh, with three holes to go. Uh, Jim Furyk is at. And Mark, I think he actually just made another bogey. So. Oh, Mark Hubbard's gonna be out then. Hubbard is one over. Uh, was he went over, did you say? Or was he even? Regardless, uh, yeah. I, I think he was even. even so he's, well, he still wouldn't make good. it. Okay. No, even's good. If you're even, you're in. Do you, I mean, I even feel like, is it. Yeah, he's even. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of I, ideal here. And granted, you still have to work tonight, I assume. But, like, obviously, nope. Tiger. Oh, then you, I'm sure you're loving life because Tiger doesn't go to, you said, what, four? Five, it's like five o'clock. Five o'clock, yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe a little night golfing here. Just check it out in Jacksonville. Absolutely. A little prime time. That, that's great. It's awesome. I yeah. mean, I think the West Coast golf is really cool for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mind it all different times. Like, I like the Ryder Cup or, or, you know, the British Open when it's like super early in the morning. I'll wake up at 5 a.m. and watch. That? Oh, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Nice. Uh, so I'll do that, but this is preferable. Yeah. Like, when they have the West Coast golf, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and it's happened a few times now in the last uh, couple of years so uh, that is good and good for us especially on a friday night we'll be ready to uh to watch the pga championship you know i was come i was listening to some golf in the last two days you know what they're trying to make a big deal about hmm. you know bryson dechambeau is kind of like they, they need villains in golf right everybody looks the same yeah yeah uh everybody swings the same mm-hmm. it, it, it's very cookie cutter-esque you know uh, and so they need personalities and some that people don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, the great thing about Tiger and Phil is that they were polarizing. Like, I'm one of the few that I actually really did like both. But you either like you're rooting for Tiger or you're rooting for Phil for the most part. And this is a different Tiger than that Tiger was because you could see why some people were turned off by him and then others were just enamored by him. And he definitely had more fans. It wasn't like it was a 50-50 split. Yeah. But Phil obviously had his fan base too can i ask you why phil mickelson was wearing some like california state troopers glasses that's his new look right now they're chewing gum and he's wearing the glasses right now go on okay yeah just gonna shake my head at that he's been doing that for the last like month month and a half well he's rocking that cbd gum right yeah that's that that's the yeah. hot thing now him and tiger didn't they introduce that at the yeah. match oh yeah that i remember just like had? yeah like horses man chewing on that grass <laughs> non-stop but so bryson dechambeau is kind of He's kind of an unlikable guy, okay. In a way, you know, he's like, yeah. he's just like annoying guy. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm just saying. That's how he comes off. You can like him, and I and that's, yeah. I don't even know if that's really true. Like if you listen to him in in a, in a news conference, I don't think it's bad. But he's kind of whiny golfer guy. Mm-hmm. Then you have Brooks Kepka, and I don't know where Kepka is on the likable list. Okay, because the guy never smiles. He's robotic. He's very good. He's a specimen. He's a specimen. Specimen. But he's got no personality. Like, he, or he doesn't show it. Yeah. Right? 
Listen, I mean, a couple months ago, we had the Brooks Kepka rebranding here on ESPN 690. Remember when I had to do that? You did. Yeah. Yeah, we had to help Try to help him out. Well, what I'm getting around to is I'm listening to some of the golf coverage, and they bring up, like, how much of a feud is going on right now between DeChambeau (laughs) and Kepka. Okay. Because they've kind of taken some shots at each other if you go back the last, like, 18 months. There's just been a little ribbing here, a little ribbing there, and, and... it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm like, is that really a feud? Like, does anybody know that feud exists outside the golf world? I had no idea. Like, when I'll they brought it up, you. I'm like, yeah, I remember this, sir. I remember this incident, and I get it. And, like, there was something, it was like last week or two weeks ago when Kepka, one of the golf rules, rules is if there's like a, an ant pile or something where your ball is, you could move it. Okay. Um, away. You could take a drop. Well, he wasn't really near it. And he's like, I just saw a red ant come out of here or something. I'm sorry. This is Bryson DeChambeau or is it Brooks? DeChambeau. Okay. And so. Oh, I, well, I don't like that. So he doesn't make get the ruling, right? So the, they get the ruling and couldn't drop the ball. <laughs> well, like a day later or in that afternoon later, yeah. Kepka is over there and yeah. you can hear him say to the cat, his caddy, I think I just saw a red ant or something like that. So they've had that kind of stuff going back and forth, which is which was a, a very Passive nice aggressive yeah, jabs. Yeah. I like it. All right. But it's like, it's not really a feud. And I guess what I'm getting at, if you depend on if you think a feud or if you know how much of these guys, yeah. DeChambeau and Kepka, uh, again, I think it's a very inside golf kind of feud. Yeah. I don't think it's across the board. Everybody's like, we're really talking about this. But can you even have one when you might have two figures that really aren't both like, like, again, people like Tiger and mm-hmm. they liked Phil, mm-hmm. maybe one or the other, but they did. Mm-hmm. I just don't find these guys overwhelmingly likable across the board. The masses, they're intrigued right now by DeChambeau. He put on 50 pounds. He's hitting at 400 yards. They're intrigued by Kepka's game and he's stone cold in, in, in these big events. You know, he comes up big. He's clutch. But do they really like them? Are they going out and buying their shoes and their shirts and their hats and their clubs? Yeah. Here's the thing. I agree with you. I mean, to, to, you have to have one hero and one villain. Usually that's the way this whole situation works. All I reminds me like Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt. You know, you have the good guy versus the intimidator. But let's be honest here. You can get away in the sport of golf of having two guys that are kind of unlikable, but they have to be at the top of their game. Right? Like, the, that, that well, they are. Well, but I'm saying, like... At the top, top yeah, of the Yeah, DeChambeau like, hasn't done that yet. Exactly. If you remember, like, Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor. Huge fight, right? Well, Conor McGregor, people want to call him cocky, obviously, arrogant. Floyd Mayweather's had his legal problems, obviously. Some people out there don't like him as, as well. But, like, they're at the top of their games. So it works. So, like, if Bryson DeChambeau has a couple majors underneath his belt, along with Brutz Kepka, well, now you got something. Because now it's, like, the two top guys going back and forth. Unfortunately, right now, like I get Brooks Kepka is a pretty big name. DeChambeau, I think more for just the the optics of you know the 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 weight gain, the muscle gain. He starts to win some more, in my opinion. But if they start winning, then you might have something. There. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's why a lot of people. I guess the preface of this was a lot of people want to see him paired together sometime yeah. on the weekend yeah. in a major championship. See if we see any any drama yeah. or looks or any yeah. of those kind of things. That'd that be interesting. That is the beauty of golf, man. More than like NASCAR, we have yeah. those fights. With golf, you have to hit, like stand right next to each other. Half yeah, the and, day, you, and so. yeah, you don't get to pick it. If you're no. the same on the leaderboard, you're going you off together. Maybe it. on a Sunday to win the PGA Championship. Uh, we'll see if it uh, comes to that. Irrational Jags fan, by the way, says don't forget. 
Okay, Gruden had Dalton and A.J. Green in Cincinnati. Hey, maybe it could be the Minshew and D.J. Chark. It's a dang good point there. I like yep. it. Yeah, I like and A.J. Green was a featured wide receiver, so I stand corrected. Hey, listen, I'll take D.J. Chark if he's A.J. Green. <laughs> Who are you telling, man? Just, <laughs> just stay healthy, though. Absolutely. Just stay healthy. Uh, 4 o'clock coming up, FSU at 4. A player opts out. We'll tell you who it was next on ESPN 690. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.